This episode is brought to you by the Arvada Center because they're kicking off their summer concert series in June. Relax under the stars at the Arvada Center's outdoor amphitheater and take in acts like Melissa Etheridge, Big Richard, Tower of Power, Preservation Hall Jazz Band, The Spin Doctors, and so much more. Concerts are scheduled for June through September. You can find a whole schedule of events and get your tickets today at arvadacenter.org. That's arvadacenter.org. Today on CityCast Denver. Some of Denver's most beautiful buildings have lived many lives, like the REI flagship store at the Confluence. It used to be a power plant that created electricity for streetcars, while also polluting the Platte River. After some serious cleanup, the iconic building was given a new life. Now, city planners say the next old building poised for rebirth is a defunct 100-year-old power plant in Sun Valley. So we went down there to see what was up. Today is Wednesday, September 6th. I'm Bree Davies, and here's what Denver's talking about. My producer Paul and I met up between I-25 and the Platte River recently to take a look at the old Zunai power plant for ourselves. It doesn't look like much right now, just a couple of big smokestacks and a crusty old brick building covered in white tarps. But we wanted to hear from an expert too, someone who could share how the city is thinking about this unique building, but with an architect's eye. Someone like the city's first ever chief urban designer. Usually when we're talking about architecture, it's the very classical elements, right, of a church, a residential building, a commercial building, an office. But there's something about industrial architectural heritage that I think we're slowly rediscovering in the country that it is part still of our architectural character of our cities. And it's something that it's worth preserving or adaptively used to a new, um, something that could be innovative and interesting, right? Uh, there's something about the smokestacks that are, yeah, they're massive. Yeah, they're huge, and you can see them from so many vantage points across the city and really almost become part of the skyline of Denver. And I think there's also something to be said about landmark, as in lowercase l, landmark buildings that are part of a community that people can uh, relate to. So it's very powerful in that way as well. We should introduce you. Oh, yeah. Eugenia <laughs> D. Girolamo, welcome to CityCast Denver. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Very excited to be here with you today. I just love this thought that you brought up about landmarks that are sort of decided by the community as things that we orient ourselves around versus being told this is an important building, like a church, like you're saying, a church or like a an important building downtown. This is more of a building that maybe the community connects to because maybe their family works there. Maybe it's just always been the biggest building near your house. And I, I just, I'm thinking about this building differently now that we're looking at it through those, well, those eyes. Well, maybe we should talk about what role it has played in the community. And I, I maybe I, I'll just run through the facts quickly, yeah. but then at the end, I have a question for you, Eugenia. So built in 1900, this is a power plant that use steam to make electricity. Excel owns it. They ran it for 115 years when it was decommissioned. And since then, it's been kind of in this sort of empty state. There's a crew doing some work on it now, but Excel said they wanted to demolish it. And then in December, the community was like, wait a second, what if we didn't? And so the latest I read was that the city asked Excel, 
hey, can we pitch in to help remediate it to get it to a place where we might be able to use it instead of you just demolishing it? And so my question is, what has Excel said to that? Well, we're still uh, in conversations with Excel and really trying to understand what is the need here. So we'll need to do studies to understand what is the extent of the environmental uh, remediation that is necessary to just continue those conversations. That, that's kind of where we are at the moment. I just want to clarify for folks too, remediation just means clean it up, right? Yeah. Because yeah. it's going from an industrial use for over a hundred years to something that like we might go eat dinner in eventually. Yeah. I mean, Brie, you made this point this morning about the REI right. and the old tramway building. Yeah, so the REI, the main REI flagship store here, which is on Platt Street, used to be a power, it made power for our streetcar system. And when you create power in any way, there's thing, there's runoff, there's stuff that comes out of that power plant that has to go somewhere. and old thinking a hundred years ago was like dumping in the river, which is what they did with the tramway building. And here I'm sure it's some of that. It's like what's happening in the ground underneath. So changing the use of this building I can see is, is a massive task like they did with the tramway building was clean it up. So I guess maybe that's my other question is what needs to be done to make it safe? That is a great question, and I'm not the right person sure, to sure. ask that question, That's fair. right? That's fair. So, but um, we will need to do environmental studies to really understand the extent sure. of the pollution, how deep it goes into the soil, what's going on within the building, and then understanding with that engineering study what needs to be done to remediate it to, for it to be safe sure. for people to be there on a daily basis. But as you said, this has been done before. The REI is a great example. Also because it sits at the river's edge, for so many years in Denver, we've put our backs to the river and yeah. we like water is such a resource in Colorado that is scarce and we really need to understand how important it is. And so what I would like to do uh, moving forward uh, in this position is really shift that mentality and really embracing the river again and all the buildings and the open spaces that go along the river become more of an asset and a resource for the community. And as you said, the REI is such a great example of that where it was an industrial building, it was not used anymore. And so the city really came in to facilitate that conversation and understanding how can we give new life to that building but also create open space that interacts with the river and the building where people come together and can really take advantage of that space as well, even if they're not going into the REI as a business, but they still enjoy that building in that community. And I also, the REI is a great example for that very reason, which is the, the Confluence, Confluence Park is right there. And I, I grew up in Denver and like you didn't get you didn't get into that. Yeah, it's a South Platte. You didn't get into the, you didn't put your feet in the Platte River. But a lot of it has changed because of the work that has been done environmentally for our waterways. So this is another way to think of this power plan is how do we reprioritize the waterway that runs right next to it? A hundred percent. And we've seen it in projects around Confluence, Commons Park as well, that people really enjoy to being by the river. There are so many great characteristics. It's a little bit cooler than it is than when you're on the street. 
meat, it can be uh, vegetated, and it just really provides uh, additional open space for people to enjoy within the city, no matter where they're coming from. And I we th really think that there's an opportunity here because of the location. 13th Street as well. 13th Street is a key east-west corridor yes. in downtown Denver or a downtown adjacent um, that I think there's really an opportunity to increase the amount of public space that we can create and just public benefit in general. And I'm glad you brought up 13th because I, I think orienting folks might be helpful, right? So we're at 13th and Zunai. Most folks maybe, maybe know this building from driving past it on I-25. That's how I know it. Right? That's all how I know it. I, I think that's, I, I drive through this neighborhood every day because I live on the west-west side, but that's how most po folks are going to know it. However, if 13th, 13th goes all the way through, if you go east on 13th from this building, you hit La Alma Lincoln Park. Like, mm -hmm. that's how close we are. You go a little bit further, you hit the Capitol. Yeah. So I can see where prioritizing this as a thoroughfare too would create connection that's kind of been disconnected by our built environment. For sure. And um, that is really the job that our department does together with the other departments around the city to understand what are those sites? What are those connections? How can we reconnect communities? Because it's something that uh, we didn't used to think about yeah. a lot in the past. And like it really in the last, I would say, 30, 40 years, there has really been a shift in city building and city planning in really understanding what are the constraints and how communities have been um, isolated sometimes or disconnected and how can what can we do through infrastructure projects to reconnect them and, and give additional public spaces and just in general improving that pedestrian experience and connectivity uh, amongst our community or within our communities, I should say. I need to hear specifics. What do you mean? What are these? What, how would I see this? Any of this? Um, well, you're seeing it here, like standing at this intersection, there's work being done on the bridge that connects the two sides of the river. So project like this, where we're making um, the bike infrastructure, the pedestrian infrastructure, I was just walking along it earlier. There's benches along the corridor, there's trees, there's plantings, uh, and really making it a more enjoyable experience. And these are all the works that the city has been doing across the city to really make that connectivity improved. So your hope is like, by providing this public infrastructure, it makes it more attractive for a developer to like look at that big empty lot or that one over there or any of these and say, maybe I'll build something there because that might be a nice place to live or work. Yes, I think that redevelopment of sites uh, that are currently either underused or, or, or vacant, it's, it's part of that. It's something we think about, but mainly we think about people. Uh, how do they go from work to home, right? Like how are they be able, are, are they being able to walk their kids to school or to a library. So um, there's really an understanding of people's lives within a neighborhood and within the city and understanding the patterns of mobility through that. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. Okay, that gets me to like a huge question because this is just a small piece of a giant redevelopment wave that's happening from the confluence 
where Elitch's is now, that Stan Kroenke owns the land. He's building this new neighborhood, River Mile. And then the parking lots around the ball arena, same story. Sun Valley, same story, huge changes. What are the city's priorities? How does the city imagine this working? I mean, is it all about the river or is there more to it? I want to know what this is going to look like. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so absolutely, we're seeing a lot of redevelopment uh, around downtown, within downtown. What I like to call it, they're all this redevelopment to the west of Spear Boulevard is really creating an expanded downtown. It's not just about Lodo, Union Square, uh, upper downtown, but really we're seeing an expansion of the density and the uses um, of the central neighborhood district. And uh, the river plays a big part of that. You have Cherry Creek and uh, South Platte River coming together in, exactly in that area. So how, again, how are we turning our fronts to the river instead of our backs. Uh, the city just launched a study of Spear Boulevard and Cherry Creek to understand how do we make Cherry Creek healthier? How do we improve the trail along Cherry Creek, which is so successful? I got some ideas. <laughs> Great. Paul's uh, a cyclist and a avid fan of that. I mean, it runs right through the city. Absolutely. But it's, it's like it, natural at the it same is, time. It is. So you get that connection to nature, which is so important for Denverites and in Colorado. Uh, but also it's a key corridor that connects people north-south, but also it, it's a bit harder to cross east-west. So what we're trying to understand, how do we treat Spear Boulevard and Cherry Creek as a seam rather than a barrier uh, and really making it as an asset uh, of this expanded downtown? But how? You're the, you're the designer, you're the architect. Yeah, I see everything as a design issue. I think through design solutions, we can solve pretty much all of our issues. I think that putting people's first um, instead of car, it's a priority that the city has been put forth uh, for the past few years. So how do we improve the crossings? How do we think about multimodal options along uh, Spear Boulevard where we have cars, people, we have bikes, maybe we have uh, transit. Uh, in the future, we could have bus we could have light rail, for example. And so thinking about this future, the next 20, 30, 50 years, uh, and then planning for that. Do we need additional open space? You need, do we need additional housing? How can we shape the cross-section of Spear Boulevard to um, reclaim space from cars and giving it back to people? Fascinating. I have so many thoughts. <laughs> I'm thinking, no, I'm just thinking so much about how we've been separated. Mm -hmm. Because if you... Think of I-25, it it didn't, it was not until I, was not until I lived on the west side of Denver that I understood what I-25 did. Mm -hmm. It separates Sun Valley from the west side and yeah. they are within blocks of each other. But in my mind growing up here, I wouldn't even have thought they were next to each other. Like if I had to draw it on a map. They may as well not be. They're so you separated. Do, you can't get across. Yeah. So a project like this is really fascinating to me because it's going even further. Like you said, it's connecting over the river in a safer way. And then that just like, I don't know, it's just changing the way I think about how we're connected or not. Because the other thing is Sun Valley has always been here. This neighborhood has always been here, whether people were you know, white flighting it out of the city and coming back, this community was always here. And I think that's what's really cool about this project in particular was if it's able to become a space for the community, it kind of puts Sun Valley on the map in a new way for people to say, oh, this is a historic neighborhood and I want to know more about the people and culture that live here. Absolutely. And also connects the people that live there to services yes. better, to, to jobs, to everything. To so it's like a two-way. So way. dire, yes. Um, 
improvement. Yeah. But that's going to mean more people. I mean, that's the future, right? Yeah. Sun Valley could look very, very different. I think that's the... It could be desirable. That's let's the scary say, part to me that freaks me out. I, to- I totally agree. <laughs> but let's say the community gets their... Oh, so, actually, the community, what they currently want. We do know a little bit about what they currently want. They've said at least some people have floated the idea of a food hall in this Excel plant. So to bring it back here or uh, some kind of market. Like, I think it's a, a food access issue um, that people are hoping to solve with that idea. I mean, do you think there's a grocery store around here? Uh, I don't see one. Right. Um, but I have to ask, because housing is the number one issue in the city, could this old, crusty power plant be housing? Uh, that is an interesting question. Um, I think we would have to do a feasibility study to understand that. From an architect, I mean, I don't know the buildings. I've never visited inside, so it's a little bit hard to tell. To me, usually the way we see this type of uh, buildings be adapted, reused, is more something along the lines of a more commercial um, use, like a food hall, like you were saying, a market of that sort, or a community center. We've seen a couple of projects across the country as well that have done that. It's just I don't know that the the building structure lends itself to uh, effectively create new uh, units of housing but i mean it's definitely something worth looking into if there's an opportunity okay okay there's also well, a lot of land around here where you can see they're building even now where they, they, they sure you are. know what i mean yeah. so the housing is coming well if you want one data point i will say if this was converted into a single unit of housing i would be interested oh okay. paul wants to live there just with his <laughs> I wife i could just megan. imagine me and megan Sort of. Paul, you would have loved the, the 80s would be. and 70s in Denver because that could have been a possibility. <laughs> yes, we'll, we'll keep you in mind. Thanks. <laughs> Appreciate that. But yeah, I think there's there's building happening all around it. I think that's the balance part that's that I struggle with is retaining the community that exists in Sun Valley without making it so expensive they get pushed out when things get really cool and they can't even utilize the thing that they dreamed. You know what I mean? Absolutely, and and we really understand that concern and it's something, again, that, that we think about as we plan for the city. Um, I think that type of uh, displacement, I have to say, as cities grow and evolve, we've seen it for years and ages. It's something somewhat natural, unfortunately, of the evolution of a city. It's just that now we care. Right. We care about it. We care about communities. And so we want to do something about that. Um, I have a very specific perspective, which is that density really allows us and and helps us in that regard, where we just provide more units of housing, including especially affordable housing. Right. And so if we provide more option, then there's more options for people who want to live here, who've lived here for a very long time, and people that want to come and live here now because they think that it's a very interesting neighborhood as culture, as character. It's cool. And and just adding to that mix, which is uh, a great thing in my opinion. I'm just thinking about it different architecturally now. Me too. I love that. Me too. The possibilities are endless. Yeah. Also, can we talk about that a human being has to go all the way to the top of this smokestack? <laughs> There's the a ladder. ladder? Yeah, that looks terrifying. This You're not going to catch me on that. mind. Humans are amazing. I pray for that person whose job that was. Yeah, can you? You probably get a really cool view from up there oh. of all of Denver. Eugenia DiGirolamo, thank you so much for joining us. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. It was great to talk to you today. Ooh, I forgot to ask you my fun question. I'm, I want to ask everybody this. Since residential conversion is such a hot topic, I want to know what uh, 
what non-residential building would you most want to live in in Denver? <laughs> I think that's easy. Uh, Clifford Still Museum. Ooh. It is a beautiful it's, space and it has like some, is nice. some secret, like a secret the patio with the, the terraces yes. that are like, I invite everyone uh, to go visit the museum. The art is incredible and the architecture is fantastic. Huge compliment to the art itself. It's very simple, but the details, the way the concrete has been broken to create these lines that really make you think about the art as well. There's an open space in front of the museum itself. It's fantastic. They did, they did a really nice job. And that terrace has a, a sound installation by Nathan Hall. So you can step out there and see this little garden and hear some music. It's, it's beautiful. Yeah, it's fantastic. So what do you think? Of all the non-residential buildings in Denver, where would you most want to live? The crusty old power plant hotline is open at 720-500-5418. All you got to do is leave us a voicemail with your name and neighborhood, and you might hear it on the show. Once again, that number is 720-500-5418. And here's what else Denverites are talking about. DPS drama. McAuliffe International School's former principal, Kurt Dennis, is suing the school district after he says he was wrongfully terminated. The Denver Post reports that Dennis claims he was fired for speaking out about DPS's safety policies, while the district maintains that he was let go for sharing personal information about students in interviews with the press. The lawsuit comes after months of turmoil in the wake of multiple shootings in the district and the DPS safety protocols that followed. One such protocol includes the most recent revelations of a, quote, seclusion room at McAuliffe, the existence of which had the former principal, parents, the superintendent, and the school board all at odds with each other over its usage. And finally, it's almost flu season. And between COVID, RSV, and the flu, there are all kinds of bugs to worry about this year. Fortunately, the Denver Post reports that it's looking like a relatively average respiratory virus season. Still, doctors say it's never too early to get your shots. I'll drop a link to learn more in the show notes. That's all for today here on CityCast Denver. If you enjoyed the show, why not take a minute to tell Charles Montgomery Burns about us? Rate the show wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe to our morning newsletter, Hey Denver, and learn more about us at denver.citycast.fm. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. See you later. It's such a, I'm like, why would I pay for physical concert tickets if I didn't get the tickets that said The Strokes? Like I went to see The Strokes. <sighs> Ugh. Wanting my physical tickets like an old person. <laughs>